With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. What up? It's the Crossover Pod Friday edition. I'm Howard Beck, senior writer for Sports Illustrated. It has been a somber week in the association. Uh, We, of course, lost a titan of the game, an icon, uh, just an incredible man in Bill Russell. A lot of great tributes published in the last few days, including a fantastic piece by my guest today, my good friend Howard Bryant over at ESPN.com. Go check out that column if you haven't read it already. And thought this was a perfect time to bring Howard back on the pod. Wanted to do so right around now anyway because his latest book just dropped. It is on baseball legend Ricky Henderson. That's in bookstores everywhere. And of course, I recommend everything Howard Bryant writes, but especially this one. And yeah, there's a little bit of regional bias on my part here. Uh, I'm a Bay Area kid. Originally, Ricky was one of my idols growing up, loved those A's teams, loved Ricky Henderson, and you might ask fairly, why talk about a baseball book at all on an NBA pod? Well, as it happens, there are several links between Ricky and the NBA, and and in fact, between Ricky and Bill Russell, as Howard Bryant will explain on our pod today. Before we get to all that, a quick reminder, please rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts, and hit me with all your feedback on Twitter at Howard Beck and stay tuned. I've got some great guests lined up over the next couple weeks. Don't want to jinx it, but uh, some folks I think you're going to be uh, very happy to hear from and interested to hear what they have to say. So stay tuned for all that as well. Okay, my conversation with Howard Bryant is coming up next. So stick around. 
This is The Crossover, an NBA show hosted by Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. It's a whole new level for you and me, Chris, this relationship. Like and subscribe for the best weekly NBA content these two are capable of. What does that mean? Could be the best duo ever. I don't see how you can beat that. Here they are, Chris Mannix and Howard Beck. Now, very pleased to welcome back my fellow Howard B., my fellow New York Times spelling bee addict, besides, uh, and just had his 10th, 10th book come out. I'm lucky if I could read 10 books in any span of time, much less write them. Uh, the new book, Ricky, Ricky Henderson, of course, uh, The Life and Legend of American Original. Howard Bryant, how are you, sir? Great to see you. How are you, Howard? I think the last time, where were, where were we? The last time I saw you, I think, was in your offices in New York. Um, the last time we actually saw each other in person, I can't even recall. The last time we did the podcast was about a year ago, a little bit more than that. Uh, person, spoke- I was in the BR offices, I believe, hmm. with with you in studio. Oh, that is right. The last, that's the last time we saw each other in person because that was probably like at least three years ago, maybe yeah. four. Mm-hmm. That was God, it. It's been a while. There's somewhere along the line there were drinks. Somewhere along the lines there was one of those uh, sports writer um, things, a uh, speaking thing that you did at uh, what do they call that? Uh, Gelf Magazine, the Varsity yes, Letters. Varsity Letters. That was yeah. twenty. In fact, that might have been the last time. Twenty. That was November of 2017. That's a long time ago. I think the pandemic killed Varsity Letters, or either that, or I fell off the, the email list when I changed jobs. Um, yeah, I missed that. It's a, it's a it's it's a great event. Um, great to see you. Uh, I gotta ask before we get into it because I mentioned the New York Times spelling bee, which I know we're both addicts of because yes. uh, we both tweet about it um, occasionally. Did you get Borzi Bor, Borzoi whatever B O R Z O I yesterday? The only word I, of course. You got that? What the hell is Borzoi? That, it that destroyed me. I don't know. It destroyed me. It it, it wrecked my. I had like a seven day streak of Queen Bee going you and Borzoi destroyed me. Bee of getting them all. Yeah, I think it was seven days. It might have been Ooh. seven out of eight. I'm gonna I'm gonna check as we as we. I think here. three is the best I've done. Um, it, it's possible I've spent way too much time on this, and my bosses are now gonna say like, "Well, this is why we haven't seen you." Re- this oh, is why uh, you blow deadline with regularity? I, I got I got all seven uh, last week, and then I had oh no, so it broke. No, I take that back. So it, it broke. The, the streak was already broken at seven. I have had uh, eight of of nine, but um, yeah. Um, there's my humble brag. Hi for that, Howie. Uh, listen, man, you're the one who was just telling me uh, before we started recording about getting 10 of 10 on the Room Raider <laughs> Twitter account, which I-, I have no eligibility for because I use a fake uh, Brooklyn Bridge background. So um, you've, you've got that over me for sure. Um, I'm proud. <laughs> so uh, I've mentioned this in the intro. We are definitely going to talk a little bit about the new book, Ricky Henderson, uh, on Ricky Henderson as well, of course, as, as Bill Russell. Um, and for anybody who's listening who thinks, but what does Ricky Henderson have to do with basketball? Aha! Aha! It's right there on page five of the prologue of Howard Bryant's book. Bill Russell is right there, connected to Ricky Henderson and to Oakland and to the Great Migration. Um, a, a, a nice bit of... Um, happenstance as I picked up the book that the first thing I found was in fact not just a basketball tie but a Bill Russell tie on the week that we are going to be speaking about uh Bill Russell of course who uh, who passed away on Sunday um he's right there so I, I want to talk about that connection too but let's start with um 
your, the great column you wrote for ESPN this week, uh, the headline of which was Boston Celtics legend Bill Russell deserves our reverence, understanding, and respect. And like this, I felt like this summed it up perfectly because there's this assumption, I think, especially when we talk about NBA legends, Hall of Famers, that they all must have been appreciated and respected in their time, right? We don't think twice about whether Michael Jordan or Magic or Kobe or Kevin Durant, even Steph, who has been, you know, somewhat of a, of a, a figure of a lot of debate. We don't worry in the, in the contemporaneously whether they're getting their due, whether they got, as the three words that you had in that headline, reverence, understanding, respect, but not always the case and not the case for, uh, for Bill Russell. Um, did to the extent that that we've had a long time to reflect on him before he died, and unfortunately, it often happens that we we don't speak about uh, the, the full breadth of a, of a person until they're gone. Did he get his his the reverence and respect and understanding that he earned at any point in his career or even post career? Well, I, I would actually like to go backward on this. I would go yeah. post career and then go back to career. I think he got more respect when he was playing and I, he got less respect as time went on. And I think part of the reason I'm going to go two places, Howard, on the, my theory on this. Um, point number one is I just feel like there's no other sport like basketball where the actual physical game we were watching is more different than its early roots. Uh, you can baseball it's still the same wheel i mean the the players are different they're better in some ways they're more athletic you know all of those different things are there football same thing it's a more aerial game when you go out there and watch some of the old guys it's not the same as watching the nfl and the same is true for hockey of course but basketball is the one where jumping joe folks looks nothing like Kobe Bryant in terms of just this, the evolution of the game is so great. And what that does is that completely undermines the accomplishments of the older players. You go back and you, you, you go and how many times have we heard, well, this guy, I mean, just goes back to the, the JJ Reddick quote about the plumbers and firemen, you know, he was, you know, Bob Cousy was being guarded by plumbers and firemen. Talk about a lack of professional respect for the guys who were at the root of this. You would never say that about, about Honus Wagner. You wouldn't say that about Babe Ruth. You wouldn't really say people have said, oh, Babe Ruth would be a, a pinch hitter. No, he wouldn't. It's a hand. It's a hand-eye game. It was a hand-eye game in 1918. It's a hand-eye game today. And there's no reason to think they wouldn't have the same hand-eye. But basketball, because the players are so much bigger, because the game is faster, because the rules are different, all those things, because the players are so much bigger um, on average, whereas it's not like you've got Wilt and everybody else is 6'10 or 6'9". People totally undermine Russell's time. People totally undermine Wilt's time, even though if you took a proportion of both leagues, their game is probably harder than it is today. Can you imagine the modern NBA at eight teams? I mean, how difficult the NBA would be if there were only eight teams and, and you know, you had... Wilt and and if you had Kareem and 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 say Walton, or if you had you know Shaq and Duncan playing each other thirteen times a season, not including the playoffs. I mean, there's so much there that just shows a total lack of regard. And I think one of the things I wanted to talk to you about most, I think you would appreciate it, is 
something that we never talk about, which is imagine playing 82 games plus 15 full-length 48-minute exhibition games, which is what those old guys did, and doing it in a pair of chucks, a pair of low-top canvas chuck tailors. These players today change their sneakers at halftime. Yes. These guys are playing pretty much the whole damn season on, on, on those things with no ankle support. And you look at the big bulky knee braces and stuff and the, the, the gigantic, you'll look at a picture of, of Hal Greer or Sam Jones and they've got these enormous thigh wraps on. I mean, it, we have such a lack of regard for what those players went through simply because when you look at a guy like Kevin Garnett, you would think he would dominate Bill Russell. And the, the point of the matter is that you just wouldn't. We just don't think about the old players with any sort of reverence, the reverence they deserve. Yeah, and, and this is this leads to, you know, it's interesting because it was, and I do appreciate that point in particular, Howard, because I was among those who voted on the 75th anniversary team last summer um, and, and into the fall when that was uh, unveiled. And I've, I've spoken about it on this podcast and elsewhere about how difficult it was. I, I almost didn't really want to do it. I did it because it was an honor to be part of, but I, it was a torturous exercise. And I'm also one who, in general, I, I hate the comparisons. I don't think that they're logical. I don't think that they are even reasonable when we're trying to compare across the eras. Because, as you've noted, the game has changed dramatically. The athletes themselves have changed dramatically. The equipment has changed dramatically, as you noted. To say nothing of player care and sports science and advances in medical technology and surgeries. And the ACL used to be career threatening or career ending. And now it's, it's just a bump in the road. Um, nothing, nothing is, is comparable. Almost nothing is comparable. Even the game itself. So you play this game and I did it at the time. Like if, if you transported Steph Curry to the sixties, they'd think he was a freaking alien. Um, if you transported Steph Curry to the 1960s, he wouldn't be Steph Curry. There's no three-point line. Why would you well, shoot the course. ball that far away? Because he could. He would do it anyway. Um, <laughs> he'd be the most unguardable two-point shooter in, in, in the history of, of, of the game at that time. D- depending on when he played. Sure. If he played, I, yeah. if he, if he played in 1960 when the average if, field goal percentage was in the 40s, sure. But if he played in the 70s yeah. and the 80s when you were supposed to make half your shots, no way. The, the better the better version of this is is like taking a, a Kevin Durant or a Giannis and and teleporting them back where a, a guy who's seven feet and does absolutely everything um and in Kevin Durant's case can also sh- you know shoot from everywhere on the floor including from range and of yeah. course back then three points were not there, there was not a three pointer but um but we can play that game and do the reverse too well if Bob Cozy played in today's game that kind of stuff it doesn't get us anywhere it's pointless. <laughs> It's now, pointless. Exactly. It's and interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, but and then what? And it, but it's pointless because it doesn't account for how those guys would have adapted to today's game or what well, they would have done with today's training methods or what they right. would have today done in, 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 a, in a game where three-point shooting was important. A lot of those guys would have learned to become three-point shooters. Um, it just, none of this gets us anywhere and yet we will be sucked into it over and over and over again. And you, and you, you do a great job, uh, did a great job in your column of calling this out that it's even and especially the former players themselves it's as you alluded to jj reddick uh and kendrick perkins and other guys and I, I love all those guys and they do a great job um but 
every every day has to be a debate and so they sometimes veer into these directions that are not doing and any who's of us your anymore. mount rushmore and gee, yes. put it away people and especially because i think one of the bigger issues and on top of that what i was trying to get at as well was their road isn't your road i mean you're asking the things you're asking of a bill russell you're not even close to asking of anyone today not a single player, not one, not even, not LeBron, none of them. So LeBron gets his, the front of his house gets spray painted and they made a federal case out of it. I mean, they told, people told Bill Russell, one, nobody took responsibility for it. And he was treated as though, you know, that he was the problem for complaining. And then they're still asking you to go out and perform. I mean, when you're thinking about all the things that this man had to endure from his allies, from people who actually liked him. People don't appreciate any of it. And, and that's why I say that Russell was more revered when he was playing than he did when he retired, even though everyone says that numbers are the thing that matters, the way that Michael Jordan was like, well, six is more than five. And yet people still tried to denigrate Russell's championships because, oh, the NBA was easy back then. If it was easy, how did he win all of them? I mean, let's also think about this is that, that Red Arbeck never won a championship as a coach without Bill Russell. Bob Cousy never won a championship without Bill Russell. Bill Sharman never won a title without Bill Russell. He's the game changer. He's the difference maker. And what I don't understand in terms of the in terms of this reflex to do that is to your point, to what end are we doing this? What are you what argument are you trying to make? And especially when we say that numbers are so important, he's got the numbers. He's got the very thing you're asking for. Yeah. And on top of that, if you go back and look at those games, go back and just hop on basketball reference and look at those games. He's winning 125 to 123 in double overtime. I mean, these are competitive, competitive games. It's not like you're just walking out there and boat racing everybody. It's not, it's not like USA basketball up until, you know, the 1980s or the 90s, or Dream Team 92, they're playing incredibly close games against players that you see all the time. And yet people are still trying to, because it's, I guess, because it's in black and white or whatever, they're thinking, oh, maybe he really wasn't that good. Or because we haven't seen it, right? Like there's, just not, mu see it. there's not much of it available to even see. Yeah, that's right. I was talking about Bomani about this, and we were talking about how the NBA is a real disservice um because you didn't see it the way you see it now i think today's generations because of the technology are in such a a better position because no matter what generation i mean who knows what's going to come next in the human evolution but your future generations are going to be able to watch virtually every game of Giannis's career in color no, nothing grainy no you know it's not going to be a single clip that they run back and forth 50 times when sometimes you can watch all of his career and when I think about this, when I think about what it must have been like playing against Wilt, it looks like Giannis, a guy who was this giant who could. I mean, look at the look at those clips of Bill Russell and 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 Chamberlain running the floor and leading the break and you know getting up and down the court in four or five steps, which is not that different than what we're seeing with Giannis. And you know, 
Wilt Chamberlain scores 100 points and is 29 to 32 from the line, and suddenly here's Giannis scores 50 in an elimination game and goes, what, 19 for 21 from the line? So we've seen these things. I just think that I just think that we're in a cultural place right now where we're extremely callous. And then when Bill Russell dies, suddenly we don't want to be callous anymore. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps, in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. I wonder, too, how much of that, Howard, is a failure of of us, the, 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 the royal we, I guess, um, the media, that... You know, a lot of what was written in the last few days about Bill Russell, about his life, and especially about the things he had to endure. Um, I'm not sure how many 
NBA fans, especially of, of younger generations, were aware of everything he had to endure. Almost every story made note of coming home to find his home ransacked and, and, and feces uh, spread uh, in, in various places. I don't know that that has been written about, explored, discussed in the last 20 years of NBA coverage to the extent that it was in the last few days because now it's important at the end for us to note well, Bill Russell wasn't just an incredible player, but he was an incredible man, and he was a, 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 a beacon for social justice, and he did it at a time when the, when the consequences and the risks were far, far greater than they are for today's athletes. And so then the details are, are, are all must be uh, cataloged. But I don't know that NBA, an NBA fan reading anything about Bill Russell or about his legacy over the last 20 or 30 years how much of that would they have seen? I wonder how much That's of this right. is, is our failure. That's right. It's our failure. But also, you know, you have to think about who we are and where we are. It always makes me, um, I don't know. I don't know how I feel. I don't know how it makes me feel, but I feel something. When you make the argument, why don't you know about what happened in the 60s? Or why don't you know what, you know, when you're admonishing this generation? And then I think about it, okay, I'm 53 years old. And when I was in high school, that's the equivalent. When I graduated high school, that's the equivalent of looking at me and asking me why I didn't know about things from 1933. You know what I mean? It just kind of makes you today's really... If I'm asking today's high school senior, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's the equivalent of saying, well, yeah. why didn't you know that? And so, of course, you don't know. I didn't know anything. I mean, now, obviously, the technology is different because more things have been preserved and you would think, but the actual time gap, sure. totally different. You know, the time gap is enormous. A lot of things have changed in 50 years. Most people don't know what happened last Tuesday. Never mind, why don't they know about the early age of the NBA? And I think that when you think about it technologically and, the, and what's part of our discourse, what are the two things that have translated best to a 24-7 cable media? Sports and politics. It's the debate. Sports covers itself like politics. Politics covers itself like sports. The bar stool argument. Where can you go to a bar and over wings debate sports and politics? And that's how we live right now. There's not a whole lot of time to sit down and discuss so all we're doing is we we pretty much funnel down you know everything into lists and more lists and still more lists and lists beget lists and who's on your top five and who's on your top four and who's on your Mount Rushmore and Mount Rushmore is only four people and so why is that them you know you know what I mean and so and it it and everything you lose everything and when you think about somebody like Russell. He's not going to make those arguments, one, because he retired 52 years, 53 years ago. And the other reason is that he averaged 15 points a game, and in Game 7 against the Lakers in 69, he scored six points. I mean, he's pe people are going to forget. People forget. I mean, this is really incredible, Howie. What I find so amazing, and it's not really forgetting, because it's, how can you forget something you never knew? Does it amaze you? The same way it amazes me, how people denigrate Wilt Chamberlain. You look at the record books. This man, Wilt Chamberlain averaged something like 29 points and 27 rebounds against Bill Russell. Yeah. And yet, 
Yeah, he wasn't that good. I don't know put Kobe he, Bryant ahead of him. I don't know if people denigrate him as much as they overlook him, if that makes sense. Right? Well, I, because, think they, I, I think they we, denigrate him because he well, only won two championships, so therefore he must not have scored a lot of points. Yeah. It, well, it's a, it's a tough one, right? Because we're going to credit Bill Russell. We're going to, in Bill Russell's case, we're going to say that stats don't matter as much because the championships are so voluminous. And in Wilt Chamberlain's case, we're going to almost go the inverse, right? Um, but that's why any of these things as a singular metric for evaluating all-time greats are, are flawed. You, yeah. it, can't, it can't be any one thing definitively. It has to be the totality of a person's career, of their impact, of the way they affected those around them. And that's why I, I said this earlier in the week when, when Mannix and I were doing the pod um, on, on Tuesday that Russell set the standard in, in a bunch of ways. And, you know, he, he sets the standard for winning in the NBA, right? Most yeah. championships of all time and most consecutive of all time. Um, but lest anybody think this is about rings culture with a bunch of Z's after ring, it's not just that. It's He also set the bar for sacrifice because he could have done more statistically if he'd wanted to. But he understood as his teammates would attest and did attest, and as he has spoken of over the years, he understood what his biggest impact, what his greatest value was to those teams. So he set the standard there. And of course, he uh, by far uh, was among those who set the standard. I won't say he solely set the standard, but for what you could do with this platform. And again, at a time when using that platform for civil rights uh, causes came at a far greater cost and with far greater risk. And when we were kids growing up in Boston, one of the things that being a Celtics fan and that the Celtics sold to the public that they were most proud of, and to this day, was that the Boston Celtics have never had a scoring champion. We are the epitome of team basketball. That wasn't like, oh my God, we've never had anyone to lead the league in scoring. It's like, no, we don't want anyone to lead the league in scoring because we're the Boston Celtics and we pass the ball and we play team basketball. This was something that was drilled into you as a kid. Interesting. And especially during those years when... It really was, you know, when I was a kid, Mike, my term, you know, you and I were the same. We're 80s kids, right, for the yeah. most part. Yeah. And those were the years when, you know, George Gervin was averaging 36 a game or 30, and Adrian Dantley was averaging 30 a game. And, and then obviously Jordan and, you know, Dr. J was leading the league in scoring. And, all, and there was a racial tinge to some of that as well because those guys were the flashy black guys scoring all the points and playing the playground type of ball and all of this stuff. And then the, the response to that was, yeah, but is that really winning basketball? And so that was the ugly side of it. But the the team side of it, the Russell side of it, the non-racial side of it, which was the other piece that made you, you know, supposedly the, here's the reason why you should be proud to be uh, a Boston kid and here's why you should be proud to be a Celtics fan is that we are the epitome of team ball and that starts with our greatest champion with Bill Russell. And none of us had ever even seen him play. He was retired when we were little kids. He was I was a year old when he was retired. But this is the specter of Russell. This is the legacy of the Celtics and all of that stuff. And so I think that the that piece of it, which was something that was a virtue, obviously gets completely lost in ranking culture and in list culture because those things don't they, they do sac you sacrifice those things when people are listing you as an individual. And I think that the other piece of it too. Um, especially in terms of growing up in the bird era and growing up at, obviously as a Metco kid for me in the school desegregation years in Boston, just the way that Boston shifted in the national attitude that Boston became, it's really is 19, you know, it's the mid seventies where Boston gets the reputation as the most racist city in the country. 
And that has stuck. And Boston has never recovered from busing. And if you take the if you take busing and you combine it with the history of the Red Sox, and you combine it with the whiteness of the bird era in an 80% black league, as I've said before, the 1986 Celtics had 10 of 14 players were white, which is really, really hard to do in an 80% black league. Um, astounding statistic, by the way. That undermines the fact that the Celtics were a black team in the 60s when they when most teams weren't. You know, you had Sam Jones and Casey and Satch and Russ and those guys, and John Thompson was on one of those teams, and on two of those teams, and and when we were growing up as black Bostonians before we got obviously devoured by the idea that Boston only belonged to white people, we were proud of Bill Russell because he was in the community. He owned the restaurant. He owned Slades. Not slaves, Bomani Jones. He owned Slade's Barbecue. Was that a miss here the other day? Exactly. Barbecue at nightclub. He's like, what, Bill Russell owned Slade's? No, he owned Slade's. And so Bill Russell was right in the community. And so when people look at you and go, oh, you're black, how are you going to be a Celtics fan? Because of Bill Russell, because of Charlie Scott, because of JoJo White, because of Robert Parrish, because of all of those guys. And so... And also because we knew as Bostonians that the Celtics drafted Chuck Cooper. They drafted one of the first black players in the game. They put the first black coach in in North American sports, in Bill Russell, you know, on the court. They were the first team to put five black players on the on the court at the same time. They did all these things. And so it goes back to when you're talking about appreciation and how different the time is, all of that history got obscured by racial desegregation and the violence there and busing. And then obviously when you look later and you're in an 80% black league and Technicolor in the Magic Bird era, and you know the Celtics have Jim Paxson and Fred Roberts and Jerry C. Sting and Danny Ainge and Connor Henry and the rest of them, and you're going, wait a minute, this isn't the Celtics that, that we grew up with. So I'm, I'm glad you bring this perspective into this, Howard, because you are a Boston guy and you grew up on this team and in that community and with a, obviously a, a very uh, uh, distinct understanding of it. Um, LeBron James, just a month ago on his show, The Shop, was asked why he hates Boston fans. And he said, quote, because they're racist as fuck. That's why. Um, and he says that they, quote, say whatever the fuck they want. He says he's been hit with a beer leaving a game there. This doesn't come up very much um, that um, uh, uh, bluntly or publicly anymore, right? Like if players talk about this stuff, it's usually in hushed tones. Nobody wants to piss off a place that they might have fans or where they might get traded tomorrow or whatever. Like it's rare in, in today's NBA, well, but it underscores that this- twice about it. Well, yes. Um, and notable that, that LeBron did it on in, in the relative uh, safety of his own show and in the off season. I mean, he will get asked about it eventually, of course, when teams reconvene in the fall, but um but it's rare. It's rare that anybody speaks about it this openly, um, but it underscores that that this hasn't gone away. And so I wonder to the extent that, you know, we were talking about Bill Russell and the impact he had in a variety of ways. Has the city ever really, has the community ever really reckoned with this aspect of it? That Bill Russell didn't even feel welcome enough in Boston to stay there after his career, that he got as far away as possible, mm-hmm. that he didn't attend his own Jersey retirement, that he, he, he skipped a championship parade and all that. Like, has this has the has the city ever really reckoned with it? Do you think that anything has changed over over the decades from Russell to the present in which the we have LeBron James that's still the face of the league saying what he said? 
of course, but Bill, you know, I was going to say, but LeBron also owns a piece of Fenway Sports Group, so he's a business investor in the city of Boston. So sure. let's not forget that piece of it. So, yeah, I think that it's different. I think that has the city changed? Well, the money has changed the city. Boston's not the Boston that it was in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, and 80s um, because of gentrification and because of money and money and more money. You go to Southie and, and you know when when the when the white guys in Southie are losing their properties, then everyone's going to lose their property. It's a money city now. That being said, it's still Boston, and people are still prone to their alcohol and still prone to doing what they do, and and it's still a predominantly it's still a predominantly white city. And the reason why you have the issues that you have in Boston is because you don't have a black middle class in Boston that's that pronounced. So your fan base in Boston is almost always predominantly white. Whereas you go look at Detroit or LA or New York, the, the crowds, the, the fan bases are a lot more diverse. But when you come to Boston, it's really not. And part of the reason is there was a, a, a 2015 report done by the, uh, the Boston Fed called the color of wealth and it was like the average net worth of a white bostonian is two hundred and forty seven thousand dollars and the average net worth of a black bostonian is eight dollars and the difference the massive massive difference in that in, in those numbers the disparity comes from home ownership so if you're a renter you don't have any net worth so you know you have what's in your wallet but if you own your house you've got equity and so that really really changes what the city is in terms of who has disposable income and who can spend it. But I also think that Boston, you know, I go back to my first book, uh, shout out Story of Race and Baseball in Boston back in 2002. And Bostonians always like to bitch and moan about why, why, why are you picking on us? Why are you, what about New York? What about, we didn't have anything like Bernie gets. We, you kind of did with Charles Stewart, but that's another story. Um, we don't have these kind of problems that are, the problem is in Boston, isn't what happened in the past, but what happened in the future and what happened in the present. And the problem that the, that the Red Sox had wasn't that they could have had Jackie Robinson and then passed, everybody passed on Jackie Robinson except the Dodgers, or that the Red Sox were the last team to integrate. Yeah, that always carried. But what really hurt the Red Sox was the fact that they didn't sign a black free agent until 1992. That was the big thing that hurt them was that nobody wanted to play there. And that's the same thing that hurts the Celtics. Having you know, having Kevin Garnett there in 2007, 2008, when he first got there, that's a big deal. But the bottom line with the Celtics is still what it's always been. And here you are a basketball guy. Your, your trivia question is this. Who is the greatest unrestricted free agent to willfully decide to go play for the Celtics? It's probably Al Horford. That's Horford. right. It's Al Horford. And if you want to throw Kemba Walker in there at the time sure. of signing, it's those two. Those yeah. two are the best players and, in and the Garnett, history of... Right, Garnett had to assent to the trade, right? He didn't have to. He didn't have a well, no trade. Well, you had to agree, was, as, did, kind of a, as did Kyrie, as yeah. did Ray, but it's still a trade. It's still a trade. It's still it's, a trade. It's, right, it's not the and same thing And if Kevin Durant comes, it'll also be a trade. Right. And those guys also, you know, you know Garnett re-upped, but Kyrie didn't. And so who is the, you know, the, the best player to decide... I have, I've got the entire blank canvas. I'm going to choose Boston as a destination. And until that begins to happen, then you're going to have huge problems. Then that's, you know, then the question is why, why don't you want to play there? And so, you know, and I don't, and, and, and these things aren't necessarily, they, they can be racial, but they may not be racist. Is it racial that if you're a young black kid, you know, with a ton of money and unbelievable talent, 
is there a is there a Boston middle class or a Boston youth nightlife and the type of stuff that Boston can offer you that LA can offer you? No. If you're a young black kid and you want to go meet a whole bunch of black girls, would you go to Atlanta? Or would you go to Houston? Or would you go to Boston? You know, would you go to New York or Chicago or Boston? So Boston has those challenges. Those are not r racist challenges. Those are racial challenges. Yeah. And so then you add the racist stuff on top of it, and it's got real, real difficulties in terms of attracting free agents. But the bottom line with the Celtics has been that franchise has never been the same post-free agency. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, look at the number of Celtics championships pre-1985 pre and look at the Celtics post-1985. They've got two titles. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, um, it is one of those other uncomfortable truths or when we start talking about the grand expanse of NBA history, right? Whether we're discussing greatest franchises because the Celtics will still, you know, lord their, their banners over everybody. But, yeah, okay, yeah, but what have you done since... 1988. Well, it's a um, different, it's a, it's like it's a the Green time. Bay Packers, which is why yeah. people still to this day talk about how important it was that Reggie White chose to go there because no black players would choose to, until he chose to go there. That was a really big deal. Yeah. And so these things matter. And what we're really talking about, as much as we want to talk about race, we can talk about race. As much as we want to talk about this sort of incendiary incidents that have happened, sure, and the, in, in the, you know, the great quotes and whatever. But you're also talking about labor and who has control over where they play. There's a reason why the Los Angeles Lakers are now the signature franchise of the National Basketball Association. And the reason is, is that if you are a young black kid who's a superstar athlete, of course you want to live in Los Angeles, especially when you when you are branding and all your handlers are telling you what you really want to do is direct and you want really want to do movies and you can cut a record there if you want as well. It offers you everything. It, you know, Los Angeles is, is as attractive to a basketball player as it would be to all the 22-year-olds who get out of college and move to California. It's the same thing. Yeah. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site. You can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie too for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com, or download the app today. I'm glad you brought up um, free agency and player mobility in general, because I did want to segue into this a couple things before before I let you go. But uh, I think every time you and I have done a podcast together, this one and my previous pod, at some point we have... Uh, uh, debated, discussed, explored player mobility or player empowerments, I guess, as, as we've... Spear of lightning. lightning. I think I introduced the Spear of Lightning on you, your pod. You did. And one of my favorite conversations we've had. But I want to bring it up because of this. We are sitting here in early August, waiting on a potential Kevin Durant trade, which may or may, never, may, or may not come to pass. He has four years left on his deal, famously. Um on an extension you just signed last summer. When you and I have discussed this before, you have always been very adamant about the fact that, uh, you know, this is, this is generally a, a a good thing and a right thing for the players, whatever, whatever the uh, fate of that might be for the teams in the league is what it is. But this seems like, I I think kind of, that's not how I I feel. Well, no, because I remember that one of the debates we had was, I think this was actually two or three pods ago. So, so forgive me if I'm remembering um, incorrectly from, from four or five years ago. But I thought kind of where we differed on this was my feeling was that the league has an interest in some sense of stability, right? Some sense, sense of continuity and of teams being able to plan and execute, uh, have a roster that they can then count on for a c- certain period of time. And free agency is free agency. And like I've, you, you know this about me. I've never begrudged anybody, whether it's LeBron, Kevin Durant, or anybody else, of going wherever their heart desires in free agency. Where where I was going with this uh, today, and again, correct me if I'm wrong on on, on how I was um, uh, remembering your, your your position in general. But Kevin Durant asking out with four years, Ben Simmons asking out with four years. We're reaching this this I think maybe some sort of tipping point, perhaps, where it's so destabilizing to the league and to teams that. I wonder if we need to all look at this a little bit differently. Like player empowerment is an easy thing to get behind for most of us because these guys earned their uh, their agency, they earned their wealth, they earned their they they absolutely have the right as as any of us do to to determine their own life 
uh, path and their career path. But to the extent this is a team sport that relies on certain mechanisms and, and you know, roster building and all this, I, I wonder if we're reached, if we've reached a point where it's now too destabilizing. I don't know where this leads in the next CBA, but I'm curious your thoughts on it and then correct yeah, all the other I stuff that I screwed conversation. up. Here's, yeah. here's how I felt about it. I'm against salary caps. Yeah. That's what I'm against. I'm against the money. I'm a, I don't believe in salary caps, and I believe that the NBA dollar for dollar cap is a mistake. I just feel I don't I don't like it. I feel like it's very very difficult to build a team when you come from an un, when you when you have an undesirable location. If you're Indiana, sometimes you got to overpay. If you're Toronto, which is a great city, but people don't want to go up there because of the the difference in the Canadian tax rules. You know, people don't want to go there. So how do you? build a team when you have when you have regional institutional challenges that the lakers and the clippers don't have i mean the fact that the clippers are a destination is insane when you go back thinking about the history of the clippers when we were growing up nobody wanted to go to the clippers and so but as recently as like seven eight years ago exactly but they've got a geographical advantage that the city of boston doesn't have or that milwaukee doesn't have or you know pick a franchise that's my issue. I agree with you 100% that as a league, somewhere along the line, it has to matter to be a Celtic. It has to matter to be a Laker. It has to matter to be a, a member of the Chicago Bulls. Somewhere there has to be some balance that the actual logo of the team has value. And if it doesn't, then your league's in really, really big trouble. And because at some point... I think people are, they're geared toward the stability that you're talking about. And if you don't have that, and if you're in an environment too, where the, where the balance has shifted in either direction, whether we go back into the 50s and 60s where the players had no power, or we go today where it looks like the players have all the power, when you have those sort of imbalances and you're in, you've got a real issue you've got to deal with. And I always look at it, obviously you can... I, I put this on the LeBron James generation of the world in that they don't seem to care. Phil Jackson and Michael Jordan had a, you know, that's the spear of lightning. It yeah. mattered to Michael Jordan to play for the Chicago Bulls. It mattered to Kobe Bryant to be a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. It mattered to Kevin Garnett to be a Celtic. That was important. That really, really carries the league. That That element of it has to be there. But this generation, and yes, I do blame lebron directly for it for it for better or worse but he's probably the greatest superstar in the history of the game that never really had a spear of lightning um he's never been the spear of lightning for anybody he's never really advocated for any coach i mean he advocated for ty lu for a little bit but he's never tied his star to any franchise nor has he's tied his star to any coach there's no there's no pop duncan thing going on here with him and, this, and, and his generation of player, whether it's Kyrie or, you know, the, the next guys, you know, Jason Tatum or Westbrook or the rest of them, they tie themselves to themselves. Yeah. And so how do you legislate that? That's an attitudinal shift. What do you do? Do you say, do you just have the, the own, owners get tough and go, you signed a contract, Kevin Durant, and a deal's a deal. I mean, what do you do with that? I mean, that, that to me, I agree with you 100% that it's destabilizing. I don't think it's great for the league, but what are you supposed to do about that 
when I mean, to me, that sounds like something that you can't necessarily fix through a CBA, but it's something that has to be fixed through respect. Yeah. I mean, you don't see that happening over in, in Oakland, or I'm sorry, San Francisco with the with the Warriors. And so there's a connection there. Um, that might be the last spear of lightning is the, you know, the Kerr Warriors that those guys play for each other. And so it's, if, if you're Kevin Durant and you sign this deal, but you didn't even sign this deal to be with the Nets. You signed this deal to be with Kyrie Irving, and now you're trapped. Then maybe you take a, a tougher line and you say, well, you're here. We don't, we don't feel like we can make a deal. I think what it is is that it's more, okay, if we're stuck, do we really want a miserable Kevin Durant playing basketball for us for the next four years, right? Is there some way that we can cut our losses here? I don't know the answer to that, but I don't know if that piece of it can be fixed in a CBA negotiation. But I do know one thing. If your league has no value in terms of the individual teams, that vulner that venerability that you put those jerseys on and Celtic Sixers doesn't mean anything or Bulls Knicks doesn't mean anything, you are in deep trouble. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because you and I are about the same age and you and I both know the generations behind us don't necessarily view it the same way as fans because they will say we root for players, not teams now. And there's some truth to that. I'm sure it's not universal, just like with any generational uh, generality. N none of these are, 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 are perfect. But there's a lot of that. And so maybe the league as a whole doesn't pay a price because maybe fans of a younger generation aren't bothered well, I think the league as a whole it. recognize this too, right? Didn't they yeah. do this when we were in college? All of a sudden, you know, I remember sensing it. It used to be Celtics Lakers, and the then suddenly yeah. it was Michael versus is yeah. Michael versus Drexler, right? It was Clyde and, Mike and MJ, and it was Gary Payton, you know, against David Robinson. And so the league recognized it post-Dream Team that it was moving, moving, moving toward the players. Yeah. But... I don't think that anybody from in ter from the terms of unintended consequences, I don't think anybody really thought that it was going to be this bad. Yeah. And I, I think that maybe the way that they mitigate this is just by looking at the total pot of gold at the end of the season. We're, the league is doing well, even though this looms over us. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Financially, they can wave off just about anything right now because they're still it, it's it's boom times. They're going to cross the ten billion dollar uh, a year mark in revenue, and as long as that's the case, they can kind of sweep all, a lot of this stuff to the side. Whatever, whatever, uh, whatever's going on functionally with the league, what, the economics of the league uh, at, a, yeah. at a macro level or micro level, they don't have to worry about because the money is pouring in. Yeah, yeah, and they can look at Giannis and go, look, everybody thought Giannis was walking. And look at he he stayed put because you're a good organization. Yeah, they, they shouldn't pat themselves too hard on the back for that one. Um, one because anything could change in a heartbeat. I'm not suggesting it will with Giannis, but two, he is by far the outlier. If we're going to look at 100%. guys who are all NBA over the last ten years and how many teams they've all been on since then. Um, all right, before I get you out of here, we got to talk about Ricky just briefly for a couple different reasons. Uh, one of which is that I already started reading the book, which I picked up yesterday, and uh, as as always, I'm engrossed immediately and I love it too because uh, for personal selfish reasons, I love Ricky Henderson. I grew up in the Bay Area during that era, um, and Ricky was probably my favorite player of of the era um i loved all those ace teams um of of the 80s eckersley i can't st the, the once again because vince scully passed this week they started queuing up the kirk gibson home run off of eck that still bothers me to this day the tiny percentage of me that is still a fan um living 
30 years ago, 40 years ago, um, that's like that still triggers something in me. Um, and the cover of the book is Ricky just sitting there looking and getting ready to steal a base, which is like that is that is the epitome of how I view or, or re remember Ricky that and, and him actually, of course, stealing the base. Um, so basketball ties real quick. Um, I mentioned Bill Russell. I mentioned Great Migration. Bill Russell and, and, and Ricky Henderson's families both end up in, in Oakland uh, as part of the Great Migration. And so there's an immediate tie there. Uh, is there any other, because I have not gotten through the whole book yet, um, is there is there a Ricky basketball tie or NBA tie in there that I've yet to discover? Uh, and if not, just give me your best Ricky story. Well, my, the, there are only a couple of ties to the NBA um, one of them, of course, isn't really Ricky related, but just basketball related was that I never knew because, you know, we talk about the great McClyman's high basketball, you know, legend um, that Bill Russell and Frank Robinson were teammates on the basketball team at McClyman's high. Frank, of course, goes on to be a Hall of Fame baseball player. Bill Russell goes on and does what he did. But then there's also Paul Silas, who also went to McClyman's. And I did not know until researching the book that Paul Silas and the Pointer Sisters were first cousins. They all lived in the same house. I mean, so when you're looking at that neighborhood of West Oakland, you had Huey Newton, the founder of the Black Panthers, living two blocks away from Bill Russell, who went to the same school 10 blocks away as, with Frank Robinson, Veda Pinson, and Kurt Flood. You had, you know, in, a few years later, you had the Pointer Sisters and... And the Silas family living over on, I think it was 18th and Adeline. Look at the talent in that neighborhood. It's incredible. I mean, is there another place that has of, of that size? I mean, you can talk about New York and L.A. and the rest of it. But Oakland is the size of my hand. It's only 300,000 total and was smaller back then with that level of concentration of talent. And that's just one neighborhood. That's in one 20-block radius. It's It really is incredible. And so... So, yes, that was really, really enjoyable to sort of research that migration and how we we talk about the Great Migration all the time. We talk about, you know, the movement, how things changed from 1910 to 1970. You, know, you talk about how it changed Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, all. But we never really talk about it in terms of sports. We never talk about how sports created, you know, how the migration created these hotbeds of unbelievable talent. Joe Morgan and... Kurt Flood and Frank Robinson, all from Texas, Dave Stewart and Bip Roberts and Bill Russell, all from Louisiana, Ricky Henderson, Paul Silas, Lloyd, Lloyd Mosby, all those dudes are from Arkansas. And so it, it was it was really rewarding to do. Um, favorite Ricky story is probably it changes from day to day. But let's go with today's favorite Ricky story um, goes back to when he gets cut from the uh, the varsity. He doesn't make the varsity as a 10th grader on the baseball team. They put him on the junior varsity, and and this is just so Oakland and, and, and so Ricky. They've got a new baseball coach, and this guy, Bob Cryer, doesn't really know a whole lot about baseball, but they, you know, he takes the job, and he just decides to look at the kids, who, you know, and pretty much bases it on height. You, 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 varsity, you, 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 JV. And one of the kids he points at for the JV is Ricky. And so the kids are pleading with him. No, no, coach, Ricky's a legend, man. He's a legend. You can't, you can't do this. He's the guy. And Bob Cryer is completely unmoved. And so here's 14-year-old Ricky Henderson, walks up to a grown man, Coach Bob Cryer, and looks at him and says, you must not know who I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
And that is completely a Ricky story because he then goes on and then like tells the coach after they, he was in the, the junior varsity field and whenever a ball came to the varsity field, he would turn around when the fields were back to back, he would turn around and catch the balls from the varsity outfield. And then when they were all jogging in, when practice was over, Cryer yells at the varsity kids, is there anybody here that hasn't hit? And Ricky raises his hand, even though he's not on the varsity. And he goes into the cage and just bangs rocket, rocket after rocket after rocket. And finally, Cryer stops practice and he looks at Ricky and goes, you come with us. (laughs) Ricky was was on the JV for about an hour. That's phenomenal. I guess at the end of that, the the coach could say, "Okay, yes, I know who you are now." I guess I know who you are now. Uh, Lesson lesson learned. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, I imagine there are because it's Ricky. um, There are going to be uh, dozens, if not hundreds, of those kinds of stories in the book, which I can't wait to get to the rest of them, Uh, folks. Go buy the book, Ricky, by Howard Bryant. Go buy all of his other books if you haven't already. They're filling my shelves off to the left here that are off screen in my room raider that will never be raided. Um, (laughs) Howard Bryant, your room looks fantastic. The book is great. Um, This has been fun as always. Thanks so much uh, for the time. Appreciate you. Okay, that's it for today's show. My thanks again to Howard Bryant. Thanks as always to our producer, Shelby Royston. And thank you all for listening. Remember, you can hear Chris Mannix and me every Tuesday on The Crossover with all the latest NBA chatter. And then on Fridays, it's me and a guest. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to The Crossover wherever you get your podcasts. And hit me with all your feedback on Twitter, at Howard Beck. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.